welcome to the second episode of Not Just a Fad. It's Hannah, your host here. Um, today's guest is Jolly Nas, um, one of the professors in the fashion department at Sac State. If you wanted to do a little introduction. Yeah, I'm Jale Nas. I've been teaching at different colleges for the last 15 years. This is my favorite. I've been here for a few years now, and I love what the meaning and depth Sacramento State brings to the sometimes not as substantial world of fashion. Mm -hmm. And um, I've also been a designer for various companies and um, action sportswear in Orange County to high-end fashion. And um, yeah, excited to be here. Thank you for coming on. Um, so for my icebreakers, for my guests, I would like I like showing or sharing our details of our OOTDs since it is a fashion podcast. Um, so I'll go first. I'm wearing this really, this print is so like, if you look at the camera, it's like crazy because it's like very, it's like checkered, but also chevron kind of, but it's this black and white long sleeve button up with a collar and I have all my rings, but yeah, your turn. All right, so I'm actually wearing um, a green skirt, which um, had been sitting in the back of my closet because it's a billabong skirt and two of the buttons had snapped off. Um, So I sewed the buttons on because teaching fashion sustainability class this semester, class that I created for Sac State, um, I took a pledge not to buy any new items of fashion this semester. Wow. So I've been fixing a lot of my clothes that had silly things wrong with them, like buttons missing. Um, and then I'm actually wearing a hoodie that I designed when I was at Etnies. Um, and I'm wearing these earrings that a, a skateboard artist had upcycled um, skate decks and made jewelry out of it. And she was at Magic... Um, sometime in the 2000s when I was there and she was basically giving them to designers to get her name out and um, it's so funny I I just I think of her all the time when I wear them so they also have some green in them yeah I can see that (laughs) so today we'll be covering a bunch of different topics first we'll be talking about tips about getting into the fashion industry um, being a fashion designer versus being the model school dress codes, and then we'll transition into Fashion Week since it is over now. And then the last segment would be talking about sustainable fashion. So let's get into it. The first topic will be tips getting into the fashion industry. So you did mention that you do, you um, have your own fashion line before. So did you have any certain like types of inspiration for your line? Yeah, so initially when I um, received my graduate degree in fashion design, I wanted to, I was just, I walked off the runway and I had a lot of press and excitement. I had people order like $2,000 custom gowns and I kind of was like, okay, now I'm going to move and become Marc Jacobs. (laughs) Um, And then very quickly you learn that it's an extremely complicated, tough, competitive industry. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just started kind of um, entry level and did, you know, 14 hour days, um, Similar, like, you know, what you would picture Devil Wears Prada. I had to, like, get there before the head designer and have the latest Women's Wear Daily on their desk mm-hmm. um, before they arrived. And um, so I kind of, you know, did that whole thing. And then pretty soon I I decided it wasn't quite what I, you know, what I was Expected into. It, yeah. um, so I 
kind of moved around a couple different companies and worked at St. John Knits, which was awesome. It was, um, you would design the yarn and the swatches and then it would turn to garment. Um, so it was like super cool to be a part of that creative experience. Um, but then again, I was seeing things I didn't really like, you know, at the time we were, you know, told to do things that I thought weren't super ethical. And, um, so then I went into action sportswear and all of a sudden, like we didn't have mannequins or pencils. We were just on the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved that kind of like better balance of life and having surf days as a company was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as far as getting into the fashion industry, how, the way that I've been able to survive fashion in the last 20 years um, is just being adaptable. And I went into it wanting to make couture gowns. Well, California is not quite the market for that. Yeah. And I don't really have the personality to just, I didn't, I also don't want to be like sad and alone and bitter. Like I wanted to have a family and have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of being adaptable and open, you know. So in 2008, when I did my own collection in Orange County, with um, organic fibers, all made in California. I you know, went to the boutiques, did trade shows, and got everything produced in LA. And then when it was time to deliver my product, the boutiques were closing down because of the recession. And so just kind of like rolling with the punches of the fashion industry. Um, and as far as you know, what I try to tell my students is to learn as much as you can and have technical skill because you can totally be like, oh my gosh, I love fashion, but what can you do? Mm -hmm. What can you create? So um, just kind of acclimate to your climate. If something's not for you, if a vision of a company doesn't sit right, um, move on. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many different like opportunities for fashion. Like I talked about in class the other day, like depending on where you live, you can find all these different designers and like fashion companies and also like like what you said with um there's always something new happening with fashion like there's going to be always a new trend a new style like you never know so you have to yeah adapt to it yeah um and then how did you like doing fashion in like socal I feel like there's a big difference doing fashion there compared to like, you know, on the East Coast. Yeah. So it's funny because um, I actually worked um, backstage at New York Fashion Week. And I remember walking in as I'd recently gotten out of college. Um, I walked into a design house and it was such a chaotic, exactly what you'd picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and they gave me a leather coat and they're like, go up on the roof and spray this silver. They've decided it needs to be silver. <laughs> and I'm like, you want me to take a $2,000 coat, go on the roof and spray paint it silver? Um, okay. But it was just like the vibe of New York is, um, it's very intense. It's very business. Mm-hmm. It's very direct. Um, Fast pace. It's exciting to be a part of, but they also would have signs up that said, don't feed the models. So there's plenty of like 13-year-olds with permission slips standing backstage, doing their homework, working these hours of days because that's what they need a model to look like. So That's crazy. um, So that was New York and my like, you know, glimpse into it. And... Um, Orange County and Southern California fashion um, was just more laid back. Like it was more um, you're expected to have a life and 
you were expected to have their life. Like mm-hmm. you were expected to go to, I remember being in Vegas. Um, we had a fashion show for a brand, a tattoo brand that I really love the family that created it um, called Solon. And I remember the fashion show was at 10 o'clock at a bar. And oh um, so it's, it's, and at the time I had my mom watching like my eight month old in the hotel room and I got home, my mom's like, is this work? And I'm like, this is work, mom. Like, you know, so I think just that kind of um, difference, you know, in culture. But ultimately, I feel Southern California fashion has a little bit more heart and more human approach mm-hmm. than what I've seen in New York. New York's a lot more about the the business. Yeah, definitely like what you're used to seeing on like social media or like on magazines. Yeah. Yeah. So right now we're going to transition into talking about being the fashion designer versus being the model. Um, There is this episode that I want to reference from Sex and the City. So everyone knows the main character is Carrie Bradshaw. She is a journalist. Um, She has her own column talking about sex, love, and relationships. But in this one episode, she does get the opportunity to become a model Um, as her her being the main character, we all know that she's into fashion. Out of all of her friends, she's like the fashionista of the group. But now that she does have the opportunity to walk on a runway and be a model, she second guesses herself just because, you know, she's like a normal person. You know, she's not a model for the job. And in the episode, they do like talk about how the fashion um, the fashion show revolves around models and then like normal people walking the runway. But yeah, if you had the opportunity to be on the other side, would you want to be a model? No. (laughs) No, being a model is hard. And it's not only hard because you um, have to stand up there and get, you know, absorb attention and and put yourself out there. Every time you put yourself out there, you're opening yourself for rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, So not only is it hard in that sense, but I can't tell you how many times I've um, sat in a, in a garment fitting with the models and heard the way models are talked about with them in the room. Like she, her arms are too long. She's this, she's that. Um, and just the way models are treated in the fashion industry is insane. So it's just, um, first of all, you're being told to look a certain way. And then when you're in the room, the way castings go, the way auditions go, um, just body image, self-concept, self-worth, like none of that matters Mm -hmm. in the most settings where cameras aren't on. Um, So I've literally worked at a company where we had a fit model who was told not to speak because she was, she had opinions um, based on her experience wearing clothes and the designers didn't like hearing it. Um, So being a model is really hard. And also you're being told what you need to be or you won't get the job whereas being a designer your whole focus is you know absorbing what's going on in the world using your artistic abilities to translate that into what we wear to supply people with the means to have self-expression so um and we don't have to walk the runway (laughs) that would be terrifying (laughs) yeah especially with like those high heels that they wear yeah i could never do that but yeah, didn't you just do a model casting recently for the fashion show? That yeah, you did? I'm so excited. So I'm uh, helping our students put on a fashion show for um, On the Rise campaign celebration because they met their fundraising goals for Sac State. And oh. it was amazing. 
So they're having a celebration event. They asked um, the fashion department to be involved. So not only did we say yes, but we said yes in a, we're going to design a collection from scratch, work as a design team. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not only going to have models, but we're going to have Sac State models and be inclusive of body types and gender. Um, so yes, I'm definitely in this setting, in this mind frame right now. Just last week we did a casting And I can't tell you how many absolutely beautiful people I saw who, as I was taking their measurements, they were like sucking in their stomach or they were justifying why they're, they're, you know, they, they, they were getting measured like a little bit larger today. And I'm like, you're, you're fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you're great. You're 98% of, um, American models are, um, too thin. Like it's just not an accurate reflection of who we are. Mm -hmm. Like recently, I just read like um, Bella Hadid, she did an interview with Vogue and she was talking about her experience um, starting off uh, fairly young and looking up to her sister, um, Gigi. And her mom. Her oh, mom. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine like the importance her mom put on looking a certain way? Mm-hmm. And, and I loved her mom in Real Housewives um, and I loved how much she was into gardening and that kind of stuff. But having been a professional model and then bringing your kids into that mm-hmm. you're you have become okay with certain parts of the industry and you're going to pass that on to your kids yeah you know? definitely she just kind of you know conformed into the industry which i feel like a lot of models end up doing just because if you're going to be in it for a long time then you kind of have to work with them and do what they do but there's this quote that bella says that's it just shows like the pressure that um, all these models get. But basically she's saying, I've had girls in my lap crying to me at four in the morning, still at fittings for a show when they have to be at another show at 7 a.m. So that's just crazy. Like it's a non, like every day you have to be constantly moving and working. There's no break for them. And it just, I don't even know if there's like a way to like change it. Like, where would you start, you know? Yeah, it's kind of a reflection on the industry as a whole. It's you're expected to live your life in fashion. And, um, you know, I when I went through the um, audition process for Project Runway a few times, and one of the times I actually was picked on as a, a finalist, and I was pregnant at the time. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I had said, it's fine. I don't mind doing it. Like my audition tape said I had been pregnant. So I fully disclosed it. And then after going through months and months of months of everything, getting to the very end, ultimately they wanted me to have my physician sign a letter saying that I could be on my feet eight months pregnant for 18 to 24 hours a day. And I'm like, first of all, not any physician's going to sign that yeah. for pregnant or not pregnant. Like you just can't treat people like this. Mm-hmm. You cannot expect people like one of the main forms of torture is insomnia. So you cannot put people through this, mm-hmm. you know? So then it kind of like almost forces people into um, looking to um, drugs or other means of like getting themselves able to like physically meet the demands of this this industry. Mm-hmm. For the fashion industry, I think it's like, it's definitely all or nothing. Like you can't just put like half of your effort and energy into it it's just a job that you have to do all the time 24 7 yeah no matter what yeah but it doesn't have to be that and that's my favorite thing is I've been able to um be in the fashion industry I have I started a um kids summer camp 
line where I just it started with them getting to design what they wanted I had them go buy their own fabric so they could see first of all so they could pick and then also they could see how expensive fabric was yeah. and then I would you know deliver their vision in a dress um, and it has led into fashion camps and I kind of just think like the movies tell us that fashion needs to be I just watched House of Gucci and <laughs> oh how was it it was it was a, it was a great movie. Lady Gaga is amazing yeah. in the movie. Um, but it just goes to show that like fashion and these brands and the hype around them, it doesn't. It's not really what we think of fashion. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of like the financial people at a board table making decisions, and then you get the paper, and then you have to make you have to design twelve cool sweaters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just not as sexy as we think it is to yeah. have. A high power role. I think what's way better is having um, a place for yourself in, in in the industry where you feel like you are being respected as a human, and you agree with the ethics involved. Mm-hmm. Well, somehow, maybe someone will do something about <laughs> all of what's happening. It's so crazy. Um, now we're gonna transition into talking about school dress codes. Um, there's a lot to talk about for this because it's very controversial, especially when it comes to um, targeting like women, like people have been starting the no bra movement, talking about off shoulder tops, ripped jeans, and then how there's basically like a double standard for all body types. So yeah, first let's talk about the no bra movement. So Honestly, there's a lot of different reasons why people decide not to wear a bra. And it honestly, I think the more people don't do it as much, everyone's just going to keep joining the movement, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it's funny. I actually recently sat on a panel for Granite Bay High School on the topic of dress codes because they were having a lot of issues um, and they're just coming to find, they were c- trying to find common ground between the parents, the administration, and the students. Um, and it is a very complicated topic. Um, there's physical reasons why bras are bad. Um, it has been shown to block the toxins from leaving your body um, and uh, contribute to the causes of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is like this pressure especially in america where there's so many boob jobs and lifts and things like that to where um you're expected for your boobs to look a certain way um and so you know one of the nicest things in the pandemic working remotely was like not having to worry about wearing a bra like it's Mm -hmm. just not fun for women to wear bras Mm -hmm. um and it's literally just to like fit them fit the look that you're expected to have Mm -hmm. Um, so the no bra movement, um, I think it's great. Um, there are like challenges out of anything that come up. And one of them is that, you know, not every body type can participate in the no bra movement because a lot of people like having the support of a bra. Um, there's definitely controversy that's, you know, it kind of touches on the male gaze and all the emphasis put on like not distracting men in an environment and what that means for women um so i think there's a lot of work to be done in that area yeah um i personally hold um some of the social media platforms really responsible um i think what 
teenage girls are seeing on TikTok and I think what they're being told looks good is ultimately not acceptable in their environment. So it's almost like corporations are telling them like this is what it's going to take to be cool and get attention Mm -hmm. at the time when you're a teenager is when you really want attention yeah and then they do it and then they get in trouble so um it's a little bit disappointing that we're having the kids and teachers figure this out yeah because it also sort of depends on your culture i feel like depending on what culture you're part of it'll definitely it says a lot about you and then most of them are like, they're all negative connotations. So, but now that, you know, in society, all of our cultures are kind of being changed or like, oh, like we talked about in class, like um, tra- transform and transmit. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Like it just changes a lot about like what we think we want. Like what you were saying on TikTok, everyone kind of ends up, adjusting to our norms nowadays yeah but it might not even be what you truly want you're trying to fit in yeah yeah um off shoulder tops i remember in high school our dress code was super strict and we were like a public school too so like off shoulder tops you'd have to wear it literally it's not an off shoulder anymore which is so crazy to me because it's like how are my shoulders distracting you? <laughs> like, that's not even up to us anymore. That's up to, like, whoever is looking. Yeah. Which is not fair at all. Because, like, we're in school, you know, obviously, like, we want to dress how we want to dress. And I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. The yeah. dress code thing is super complicated. It definitely needs to not be so focused on women. Um, it definitely needs to not – the focus needs to not be don't distract – because um, because you also, for yourself, you want to wear something you're comfortable and confident in. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't be told to cover up just for the sake of others, you know. Um, but at the same time, like, if a guy walked into a classroom wearing a Speedo, it would be distracting, right? So, like, we kind of have to have – and I think the more we break um, gender boundaries in clothing, like, mm-hmm. so the with the baggy pants being trendy is great – um, the more we kind of have like brands, it drives me crazy. Every time I go on like Amazon or Target to buy my kids clothes, it's like girls, boys, age, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, just show me the pants you got mm-hmm. because I do have girls, but one of them doesn't enjoy wearing the types of kids clothes in the girls category. Like just give us the options. And how about we pick what we feel like wearing today? And I think the more we break those like boxes, um, of gender clothing and I could have sworn I thought H&M was doing this and then I recently went on their website and saw that they didn't have um, a category that was um, non-binary so I just think um, the more we cro- you know break those boundaries the more um, we can kind of get a little bit in a little bit of a better place mm-hmm. the less it's like you are women you are a sex object cover yourself like I come from Iran, which is a very like, it's a very censored community for women. Like mm-hmm. I remember being pulled over when I was nine, and the Iranian dress code police like wiped my eyelashes to make sure I wasn't wearing mascara. Um, so when you're kind of like treated in that way, 
and I come here and I'm like, absolutely, like women should wear what they want to wear. But then we're also in a society where I'm like, if Mary J. Blige doesn't feel like wearing short shorts at 50 on the Super Bowl stage, let's not pressure her into it. She looked amazing, Mm -hmm. but that's not the point. Like, I remember after the Super Bowl, everybody was like, how old is Mary J. Blige? She looks amazing. Um, She's the same age as Snoop. Like, Mm -hmm. they're both 50, you know? So it's like, why is the focus on women looking young? We can't exist in a society where the focus is on women constantly looking youthful and sexy and then have dress codes that say um, we're gender neutral and we just want self-expression. It's just it's conflicting messages. Yeah, they're, everything is just so contradicting. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, clothing should like, shouldn't have a gender. Like just wear what you want to wear. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. So. And I, I honestly really want to see men having to walk in heels and wearing the nails and operating their cell phones. Mm -hmm. I just want to see guys coming off at the end of the day and taking off their bra. And I want to look (laughs) at their face and be like, doesn't that feel good? (laughs) Oh my gosh, you're gonna have such a difficult time with like, it's so hard. I still have a difficult time typing with nails. I'm like, but it's nice. And it makes you feel good. (laughs) So the next segment we'll be talking about is Fashion Week. Um, All of them are done now. New York, Milan, Paris, London. But I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of, I mean, every year there's always a lot of differences when it comes to the designers and everyone's taste and if it's cute or not. But there's definitely a difference between high-end fashion, which is what you see all the models wearing on the runway, and then like everyday fashion, which is what we wear, you know, every day um, in our lives. But first, what do you what do you think about high-end fashion? Is it like cute? <laughs> uh, you know, I I like high-end fashion. I I like when a design house takes the time and goes through the effort of making meaningful product and telling a story um i've seen high fashion where they just knock off zara and Mm. i don't respect that um so i don't even though i like the process that is afforded to high fashion and the you know creation um i'm not a name brand person because it's you know for me it's like what matters is the designer their intentions their materials their sourcing process their production facilities it's not so much um, the best color of purple for the season, mm-hmm. you know. So I think what scared me the most in obviously this fashion week was um, it was extremely um, moving and different because it was right in the middle of a war. And the war hit. And I remember like um, everyone being like, is fashion week still going to go on? Is fa- You know, the show must go on and blah, blah, blah. And um it kind of, you know, and so it was nice to see how the designers throughout kind of like adjusted and and there was a silent fashion show and there was, you know, meaning that came out of like giving a, hey, we understand that the world is not in a good place right now. And mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, it's um, it really scares me like what happened at Dior and at Chanel and the amount of crowds and the amount of like hype that's going into like TikTok nation and wanting these brands. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of scares me a little bit that they're um, these big brands because they have power with their brand names. 
Um, and I'm just concerned that I, I hope that with their shift of positioning to target the youth, I hope that they're going to take youthful, positive ideas, bold colors, um, optimism, and love from the youth and not just target the youth for consumption mm-hmm. and consumerism. So, um, yeah, high fashion was interesting. What do you think the main difference is between high-end fashion and everyday fashion? Um, so it used to be that it was better quality. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it used to be that you... Um, so I guess what I would like to say is high-end fashion and everyday fashion should be the same. You should follow the system of you have a wardrobe that you wear all the time. And you don't feel like you have to throw out and refill every season or where we're at where it's like once a week. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things to where um, high-end fashion, I think, used to be a really amazing investment that you cherished and you expected to have a long life. Um, but the way that high fashion is going just all consumerism and and really their processes are going very fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it's kind of like, I don't really see, I don't really see the difference. Like to me, I guess, I guess I'm turning a bit anti-trend and a bit anti-brand because I just want to know how something was made where it was made, who it hurt, and how long I can wear it. Like, I'm just tired of wearing things for 10 times, which is what Zara forecasts their garments lasting. It's crazy because now that when you, like, go shopping for, like, everyday clothes, or even if you go to, like, we'll be talking about thrift stores soon, but, like, when you go to thrift stores, the only reason the price is, like, higher is because of the brand the whole thing about champion like when champion was a really big thing i remember people were talking about how back then like they would just get it at like walmart and it would be super cheap but now that it became like this trend they like just kept like bringing up the price and it's crazy how like so much of that has to do with what's new and what's in it's like but yeah people should just keep it to themselves <laughs> so we yeah. can save money it's, it's interesting because i think some brands um you want to represent their brand because you like what they're doing mm-hmm. and in that sense um you know displaying a brand name is great um or some brands like really do good quality um if you're buying leather like they're not using the chemicals that make it so it's just not sustainable at all mm-hmm. um so you want to you want to invest in that and you want to be proud of it but I think um, the problem is where we just look to brands as a form of um, financial means. And that's kind of where it, if the if you're buying the brand because you want to show that you can afford the brand, um, that's where I lose respect, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's so different. it's interesting in the fashion sustainability class that I um, am teaching this semester and I um, wrote for the program, um, it's the... Um, the understanding the consumer will shop at a thrift store but not necessarily to make a a positive impact on the world it's to say i got this at a thrift store Mm -hmm. um so i think what's and then when you survey and do studies on um 
all the people who don't shop at thrift stores, you ask them why, and they'll say, um, well, I donate to thrift stores. And you're like, okay, well, do you know like such a small percentage of your donations actually goes to a thrift store and the rest is in the landfill? Um, and they're like, well, it just smells and I don't, like it's not the shopping environment that I want. Um, so something that has come out of recent times that I love is companies that have a pre-loved section where brands like Lululemon or Madewell that you know that you like, you know how your body fits in their clothing, um, you can go on their own website and buy their own clothes secondhand. And I think that is awesome because, you know, sometimes you don't want to go and look through 400 leggings to find one and then try it on and go through that whole process. But if you can just go to the same brand and buy the, and then that kind of like puts the responsibility on the brands to make clothes that are going to last. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, um, one of having had three kids, I understand how much like your body changes. Um, so you want new clothes, like clothing has been linked to confidence and self-expression and all that stuff. So you don't want to like cut that out of expression out of you. But it doesn't have to be as wasteful and as disposable as it has been. Mm-hmm. And I think companies can really help with that process. So it would be really awesome to start seeing some of them have even brick, brick and mortar pre-loved stores. Mm-hmm. I feel like, no, yeah, I remember back in high school when we would like have a dance or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to wear? So I would like go to the mall and try to look for a new outfit to put together. But now like I realize it's okay to have only like a small amount of clothes because you can still be using them just in different ways. Like you can just mix and match them. That's why it's good to have like those staple pieces in your wardrobe because it allows you to like figure out new styles or like just, yeah, wearing it in different ways. Yeah, I would encourage people who love fashion and watch Sex and City and Euphoria and all, you know, all these fashion type things to think about how they can be a participant and not just a consumer. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a participant, you're like, I'll take this, I'll take that, I'm gonna reuse this, and then I'm gonna sew a button on that. Um, That's what makes you a part of it. Because otherwise, you're just gonna look like the mannequins at Target. And what is so cool about that? You're Mm -hmm. just putting on what they told you to put on. Yeah, and then I feel like we should before shopping at certain stores it would be cool to like do research on it you know like what you were saying like a list of all the things like who made it and then like how it's affecting them and then where all the fabric they got came from just because if they are doing it for like good reasons then it's a good way to help support them just buying all their items yeah it would be great honestly i don't fault high fashion for tapping into influencer market and that but it would be great to um, use that platform to spread a message of caring and trying and being informed, honestly. Like at the very end, like I think the shopping person who loves fashion for consumption, I think that's out of trend. Like I think that's done. Mm-hmm. So now I think we can get into the market of understanding where things are made, understanding that if you buy a pair of jeans, It took 920 gallons of water to create them. And when it gets dumped with all the chemicals and dyes, it's going to go into a river in India that people are fishing from. And they're grabbing floating fish because they were poisoned. Mm -hmm. So just kind of understanding that impact and 
using your voice and your platform and all your followers and your influence to make a change. On Sac State Trash Cans, it says think before you throw. And I think something that would be great is think before you buy, you know? Oh, so that should just- be a slogan now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's all we're talking about today. Um, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, thank you for tuning in, everyone. For my next episode, we'll be talking more in depth about the whole idea behind thrifting and I mean, like thrifting strategies or your favorite favorite thrift stores. So make sure to look out for that.